coming. Hey guys, it's me. Welcome back to Soul Glow. Um, I just wanted to share one of my favorite songs that my brother had created. Um, most of you that know me already know, but my brother uh, left us, left the human world this past July, and um, it's been pretty difficult to um, accept that. Uh, it's been hard, it's been painful, but you know, I can finally speak about it and talk about him and not completely fall apart. So that is um, a big success for me. Um, so that song that I just played, um, he probably made it like 12 years ago or something. Yeah. And oh my god, it's one of my favorites. Every time I want to feel good, every time I want to hear his voice, every time I want to just kind of like feel the music, I just jam out to that song over and over. And um, I used to always tell him that I was his number one fan because I know all of his songs and till this day I, I jam out to them in my car all the time or at home. But um, so my brother was a aspiring hip hop artist. He called himself a lyricist because that's really what he was. He was a great writer. He had amazing talent. He knew how to, I mean, he could bust out a rhyme and like it would last like 20 minutes and he would just keep going and going and going and I was just like I want to do that <laughs> and I was like yeah I'm going to be a rapper too yeah it, it doesn't come naturally to me like it did to him but um I loved my brother so very much um he was my first best friend I looked up to him. I always wanted to be with him when we were kids. Um, he was really funny. Um, we had, of course, like, you know, your typical sibling love-hate relationship when we were little, but I always wanted to be with him. And as we got a little bit older and he started finding his own little friends, um, he, you know, he started leaving me behind. And, of course, that always broke my heart. But regardless of everything um we always had a really close we had a pretty close relationship in the sense that we always respected each other we didn't fight really I mean as kids like just sibling little kid fights but as we got older we didn't um but we definitely had different um lifestyles different views and um it triggered just some um, frustrations as I got older. Um, I'm going to share an episode with you guys that I did on Casey's podcast, You Are the Limit, Mindset Matters, where I kind of tell my story as far as like my childhood and my upbringing and my father and my brother and all that stuff. But this episode I just really wanted to dedicate to my brother because he deserves it. I feel like he was one of those fallen people that just had so much love to give and he had so much talent to share 
and he spilled all of his pain and all of his um, talent onto his art and his music and he got lost in it and I feel like that was the only way that he felt like he could really release everything that he had inside including you know pain including trauma including um everything that he bottled up he he was a type of person that didn't want to talk about the things that really hurt him throughout his life um he never wanted to talk about his abuse he never he, it was he never wanted to put it on anybody and he never wanted to be a victim to it but the way that he dealt with it his entire life um starting at a pretty young age you know we're talking like fourth fifth sixth grade is kind of when it started is um by choosing substance you know and I'll I'll get real because I think people a lot of people go through the same thing that I've been through with my family and my brother is you know my brother was in sixth grade drinking 40s before class I mean 40s of beer you know like that's crazy a 12-year-old kid getting drunk before you go to school. That's pretty crazy, but again, pretty common, right, in some places. And it just kind of went from there. It started started with that, and then, of course, experimented with, you know, the typical, the typical trail of drugs and substance abuse. And I think it just became something that helped him cope with the things that he suppressed and had to suppress and he found joy in the numbing and he found joy in making people laugh and just forgetting about reality and slowly but quickly it became a problem you know my father was also an addict so it's in our genes to be more susceptible to becoming addicts and depending on those type of things and my brother really, it just really, really got him. And I mean, at the young age of 15, he had his first uh, overdose scare with cocaine. And that was pretty intense and that was pretty scary. And it really scared him. The thing with my brother is like, he loves to have fun, he loved to party, but he was a chicken shit, I will say that. So that really scared him and it woke him a little bit. And But that's when his anxiety started. After his anxiety started, it really never went away. I think he always had a fear that he was going to die, his heart was going to stop, that something was going to happen to him. Um, So as he got a little bit older, he tried to get sober. You know, at the age of, I think, 18 to 20 or 19 to 21. And he was. He had, you know, gotten his health back. He had lost like 100 pounds. He was going to community college. He was sober, he was abstinent, and he was doing so amazing. And then he got a little bit older and decided to, you know, go to school in Phoenix, Arizona to go uh, pursue a degree in um, sound engineering because that was his passion with music, making beats, making raps and songs and all that stuff and um he's good at it he's amazing at it and he did finish his degree but you know he did uh, pick up the partying back up as any other young adult would in college right but the thing with my brother is 
he was an addict. You know, I don't think, I think people have a hard time understanding that addiction is a disease. And even I had a hard time. Like, I didn't understand why he couldn't just stop. Like, why he had to go from zero to a hundred. Because with an addict, it's either you, you just can't have a beer. You know, it's a beer means a hundred beers. So, you know, it became pretty crazy for him. It took him down that road. And just throughout my life, it just became, you know, witnessing my brother hurt himself. And that is um, some of the trauma that I'm healing myself. I didn't realize that I was healing that, you know, I... uh, I, I don't know how many times I had I would find him, you know, asleep in his car, or asleep in the front yard on the floor, or in the kitchen standing up on her chair, falling over and cutting himself on accident, um, staying up for days at a time, sleeping for days at a time. And it was, I remember being, I'm going to kind of backtrack a little bit, but being in high school and like knowing that my brother had there was something wrong. I knew something was wrong. You could tell he was depressed. It was very, very gloomy, very dark energy from him. It was it was almost like he was just a zombie. And I remember just kind of like um, feeling his energy. And the thing that I don't think my mom knew how to handle it. And she just kind of like allowed it because she felt guilt for some of the abuse that you know he had when he was growing up and um it became very you know I think my parents my mom and my brother had kind of like a codependency relationship they were very close he was definitely a mama's boy that was her baby and out of so much love for each other and and the guilt and and all that it just it was just a vicious cycle of allowing him to just be right not work not go to school sleep all day not pay bills that kind of thing and I hate it I hated seeing it because I knew my brother had so much potential my brother is was so smart um smarter than me for sure but he was just lazy <laughs> that was the thing and um my mom just allowed it and I mentioned it in the in my interview that it just it built up a lot of frustration because I just didn't understand how this was just like being allowed and why it was just happening and it was like you know an issue that was just swept under the rug and we just kind of like allowed it and accepted it and dealt with it that way um so there were some years as I got a little bit older where I was very upset with my mom because, you know, she would ask me for money and then she would turn around and use it to give him money. But then, you know, there was no like, oh, I'll pay you back or he wasn't doing anything to kind of like better himself. So it was very frustrating, right? Because at the moment I felt like I was just like being used, like I was just kind of solve everybody's problem specifically and usually financially. But then there was no effort for, you know, for him to better himself or my mom to kind of put like a a stop to it, boundaries, things like that. So 
I, I didn't know how else to talk to my brother. It was like, hey, Chris, you know, I love you and I believe in you and I accept you. And I, you know, you, you have everything in this world to, to make it. You just have to, you just have to want it, you know, chase after your dream, but you got to work hard. People don't get discovered in their bedroom making beats. You know, you got to share it. I used to always tell him that I, could, I would be his music manager and I would set up gigs for him if he let me. And he was like all for it and he was excited. And But then, you know, the alcoholism always got the best of him, you know. So there was periods where he would start work and he'd start, you know, showing up and he would do good. And then eventually, again, the alcoholism would kick in and then he would call in and then and then get fired or he would quit or it was just constant um until I guess he got to a point where he's like yeah it's not really for me he lived off the grid didn't believe in banking did a little hustling you know to feed his habits that kind of thing and it just it just was what it was you know I guess that's the best way I can describe it is it came to a point where well, he's not going to listen to me. I still love him, and I want to hang out with him. And if hanging out with him means having a beer and then him getting fucked up, then that's what it is, right? Um, but, you know, it was, it was very sad when I knew that he was taking a turn when his best friend of, you know, 25 years or something... Um, called me and reached out to me and let me know that he was worried about him. And for him to call me and tell me that he was worried about my brother was huge because they were the same person. It was like where David was, Chris was. And where Chris was, David was. And what they were doing, they were doing together. So it really alarmed me and it caused a lot of anxiety in me because I was worried. I didn't want anything to happen to my brother. And I called him and I checked in on him and I couldn't sleep for months and months and months and um, we had an intervention, which David was there for, and he was sober, and um, it didn't work. We couldn't reach him, and unfortunately, you know, David ended up, you know, falling back in, but, you know, I will say that my friend David, my brother's best friend David, he was the one that really uh, tried to get help over and over and over again. And when I was growing up, him and I were friends. We I mean, we were always friends, but specifically when we were younger, we were closer. And I used to always tell him that I believed in him, that he could do it, that he could, you know, sober up, that he was smart, that he could do whatever he wanted to do. And it was almost like I was his lifeline whenever he felt low. But unfortunately, again, addiction always wins. Not always, but a lot of times. And... um you know, so that was just kind of the constant battle that my brother went through. He lived his life in a cloud, in a constant state of daze and numbness. And he didn't do it to hurt other people. You know, that's what he used to always say. He's like, I ain't hurting anybody. I'm just having a good time. Why you gotta hate? You know, he'd always make a joke out of it. Because my mom would always get mad at him. I would get mad at him. I, you know, you don't know what else to say anymore. And um, he felt like he wasn't hurting anybody purposely. And he wasn't purposely. But being somebody that grows up around an addict and seeing them kill themselves is, is very painful because you wish you could just shake them and, and let them see what they're, what they're 
doing to themselves, but they just, they don't see it. And, you know, um, fast forward to where, when my, my father passed away, before my father passed away, my brother started losing a lot of friends to addiction. They were just dropping like flies. It was pretty scary. And I saw how hard it was on him. When my father died, it was hard on him, but I think he was almost very numb at that point to a point where it was just like, wow, there goes another one and another one. Um, and he was in a dark place and I could tell. Um, and a little bit after that, my bro- my dad passed away July of 18, February of 19, his best friend David passed away. And that was, oh God, that was so hard. I had, I drove down El Paso to be there for my brother because I knew that was going to be extremely hard for him and it was and that killed my brother that absolutely broke his heart that was his brother that he never had that was I mean they were inseparable and after that it it just really took him even deeper into his addiction and his depression and I don't think he really cared very much anymore after that and five months five months later my brother ended up going as well so it was I I just wish I could have done more but I couldn't and I guess I'm sharing this story because I want people to understand that, you know, when you're going through something like this, it doesn't mean that you don't love that person. And it doesn't mean that you're not there for them. It's just that, unfortunately, an addict can't listen to you. They don't hear you. They just don't. And I want to be a support system for people that have gone through a similar situation um because it's hard as fuck (laughs) let's face it it's so hard especially you know losing you know people around you that you love so much people especially for me you know this and this you know I go back to my other episode where I talk about my past trauma like spilling over into my relationships well, part of my baggage and my pain is that the men in my life, my father and my brother, that were supposed to be the men that showed me examples of what kind of man I, sh- I should be with, what kind of man qualities I should look for, things like that, you know, I didn't have a very good example of that. I felt uh, abandoned by them because they chose their addiction over, you know, protecting me or being with me or in my family so that clearly showed in a lot of the relationships that I was in is being with people that are unavailable emotionally unavailable right so um sorry I got I got a little choked up there but it's again part of my healing I gotta release it and I gotta let it go and I wanted to just um dedicate this episode to my brother Chris Anderson, James Christopher, no, James Christian Anderson, uh, 
aka J. Cal Perplex. That was his uh, rapper name. And um, just share this with people that know me, people that don't know me, and so they know that, you know, they're not alone and that what brings peace to me is that I know that he is in a much better spiritual place where he's not hurting anymore and if he decides to come back to this world and give it another shot I know that he can but I know right now he's in a place of bliss with David and my father and everybody else that he's lost that um lost the battle in this lifetime but um, I'm going to finish this episode off with the rest of his song. Um, everybody take care. And again, remember that it's important to release your pain, whether it's tears, screaming, running, yelling, whatever. Just just do it. Who cares? You got to let it go. Love you guys. Have a great day. Besos. Spray Pro.